could hear me without the microphone probably, right? Praise God. So let's, let's stand and turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 11, and I'm going to read through verse 20. Ephesians chapter 11. I'll go ahead and... Um, excuse me. Ephesians chapter 6. I looked right at it and said chapter 11. That was a test to see if anybody was paying attention. At least one person figured out there's not 11 chapters in the book of Ephesians. Praise God. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say, Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Everybody say stand. 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 Everybody say stand. Stand Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Not you might be able to, but you shall be able to. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we love you today. We praise you and thank you for this day, Lord, for the the ability to hear with our ears and to receive with our hearts and minds and to understand. Give your people understanding. Give them revelation, Lord, that this word would minister to your people today, that it would minister truth, that it would minister blessing, that it would minister encouragement today, Lord, that you would lift us up and take us to where you need us to go. Father, we pray your blessing upon the rest, the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. So we're going to talk today about, what do you think? Stand. Just stand. Just stand. And so, in December of 1835, during Texas's War for Independence from Mexico, a group of Texan volunteer soldiers occupied the Alamo, a former Franciscan mission located near the present-day city of San Antonio. On February 23, 1836, a Mexican force numbering in the thousands and led by General Antonio Lopez de Santa Santa Ana began to siege at the fort. Though vastly outnumbered, the Alamo's 200 defenders commanded by James Bowie and William Travis, and including the former, uh, the famed frontiersman Davy, Davy Crockett, held out courageously for 13 days before the Mexican invaders finally overpowered them. Anybody ever been to the Alamo? 
It's not very much bigger than this building right here. It's a very small place. And they stood their ground for 13 days against an army that was, you know, way bigger than they were. And for what reason would they do that? What, what motivated them to stand their ground and to fight to the death? To face certain death and defeat, they knew that, they knew the day was coming. They made their stand. Why? Because their stand was for independence. And their stand was for freedom to govern themselves. Right? And so, so they did that. And they, they had a purpose not just to stand, just to, to protect a building, but it was much more than just a building. It was an idea. It was a principle. It was something that they stood for. And people were willing to give their lives that day for the sake of freedom. Amen? I'm thankful they did that. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for freedom in this country. I'm thankful for the freedom to worship. And I'm mostly thankful for the freedom that the Lord has given me. The liberty and the freedom from the bondage and the things that I was bound by. And, and, and He continues every day to give us that freedom. Amen? So brave men fought for, for our great cause at the Battle of Gettysburg. If you know your history. Custer and all of his men had their last stand. I'm sure they stood for something. Right? They didn't just stand because it was the thing to do so they could make it into the history books. They stood because they had a purpose for standing. The Allies had held their, uh, held their ground at the Battle of Bastogne. Awesome battle. They held their ground and under insurmountable odds and only by the grace and mercy of God did the clouds clear and the planes were able to come over and, and they, they ran out of food. They ran out of everything. They had no ammunition and they were just believing in a God they couldn't see to to keep them from being destroyed. And if you go to Bastogne today, there's a monument there to that. And men sacrificed their lives at the beaches of Normandy to push back and defeat the tyranny of Nazi Germany. So all these examples that I'm giving you, they didn't just do it because they felt like doing it, but they had a purpose, they had a reason, they had a, a goal in mind. Something bigger than themselves. Sometimes when we're going through things in our life, anybody ever gone through anything in your life? If you haven't, just wait. It'll come. The Lord's not going to let you get out of that. Right? Sorry. Sometimes when we go through, and we need those trials, don't we? And the Lord lets those things come into our life because He knows we need that. Because there's that pruning and that process in our life that we have to go through and it's not going to happen any other way. So he's allowed all these things in our life and and all we can do sometimes is stand. Right? You can't, some of those things you can't run to the pastor and even if you do, he can't fix everything. And that's not why God calls a man to pastor a church to fix everything. Right? And the wise pastor will say, well, brother or sister, the Lord has you going through this for a reason. Just, you're going to have to weather the storm. I can't fix it. And God's not going to fix it. You know, they say sometimes God takes you out of the storm, but sometimes he takes you through the storm. And so we got to go through some stuff. So we have to make our stand. We have to just stand sometimes and see what God's going to do. 
and give the good report later. Right? Let's turn to the book of Exodus chapter 10 verse, or excuse me, Exodus 14. Well, I did that twice already. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. We're going to read through 13. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and beheld, behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because they were no graves in Egypt, hast thou, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Hast thou take, it's a question. Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with, uh, thus with us? To carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not the word that we died, that we did tell you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we would, should die in the wilderness. Don't we feel like that? When we're going through some stuff sometimes like, why am I going through this, God? What? Well, you might as well just let me die. And Moses, who knew he heard from God, and a God he couldn't see. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. He didn't have anything we have. He just trusted a God that spoke to him in a mountain and showed him a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. And what did he say? And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He was speaking by faith because he had no idea what the Lord was fixing to do. I believe all the Lord told him to do was take that staff I gave you and hold it up in the air and say these words. And this is what he did. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more ever. You'll never see. See those people that are about to attack us? You'll never see them again, ever. Now that's a kind of a bold statement for somebody to make. And I'm sure a lot of them didn't believe him because they already were ready to throw him under the bus, right? So he just said, God, this is you. He raised that staff up and they watched the waters part. And that wasn't the end of the story. They got to watch the waters come back together and completely destroy that enemy. And to this day, they said there are wheels that are still in that sea that are from that era and that time. So God left that stuff in there to prove that that really happened. So sometimes we just have to stand and trust God when we don't understand. In in the face of what seemed like an impossible situation, Moses trusted God. They made their stand that day, and God stood with them. That was the main thing. Not only did they just make their stand, but God stood with them. And we have to trust God sometimes that he knows what he's doing. Not sometimes, all the time. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. I, I still get questions to this day. Why did I come up here? I do. From people that don't even go to church. So why did you come to Wisconsin? And I tell them because God sent me here. And my wife, what, what did you say to the, the principal on your interview? She said, Because she trusted that God had spoken to me and sent us up here. And people don't understand that. 
But I, and I don't understand it either, really. But God does, He understands everything. And, <laughs> and He knows exactly what He's doing, doesn't He? <laughs> he does know exactly. If you don't believe that, you need to. God knows exactly. He knows exactly where you are. You're not fooling God. And, and God just showed those people all their murmuring and griping and complaining at Moses. He showed them. Watch this. Now you're going to trust me. And, you know, God does stuff in our life and then we still end up not trusting him. But that's not my notes. But he told the people, what did he tell them? Stand still. Just stand. Just stand. Watch and see. What, what he's saying to me is, watch and see what God will do. He didn't, he didn't go through all this stuff to, to bring me here to leave us hanging right here at the, at the edge of the water. And God did a great thing. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask of, uh, for the old past where there is good, where there, where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And that, I was looking at that word ways, where it says, stand ye in the ways, and that's talking about a, a, a pattern of life and, and the way that you walk, the, the way you live your life. And and the, the thought came to me, and I've heard this, somebody else said it, I don't take credit for it, but, but you've probably heard this before, that it says if if you don't stand for something, you'll, right, you'll, you finish the set, you'll fall for anything. And is that's true? That's true. If we don't stand for something... And that can apply to anything you believe. I mean, you can believe, any, you know, just name it, all of these religions. And you can believe that if you rub the Buddha's belly that you'll have good luck or, you know, whatever. You can believe whatever you want, but if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So we've got to stand for what we know to be true. This truth. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made their stand in the book of Daniel chapter 3. And, and, they they were not in a comfortable situation. They didn't want to have to be renamed with with names that weren't Hebrew names, and they didn't want to have to to do the things that they did. But I'm sure Daniel probably said, "It's okay, boys. God's got us right where He wants us. We're going to be here, and we're just going to do what God tells us to do." And so when it came time for them to worship this idol of this king, these three guys said, "We're not doing it." They were making a stand. And they made their stand. Right? And what happened? They said, we're not careful to answer you, O king. You, you can do whatever you want. I'm paraphrasing. You can throw us in that fiery furnace. And if God's able to save us, he will. But if not, we're still going to stand. But if not, well, that's a bold statement. But if not... Our God is still, He's still our God and He's still going to deliver us. So, so you can do whatever you want. We got to kind of have that attitude sometimes. You know, fine, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. You can't stop it anyway. So God, you're in control. I can, without you, God, I can do nothing. We, I, I need to say that out loud. I do every day in the morning. God, I can't do, I can't even breathe today without you. But I'm going to make a stand for you in that workplace. I'm going to make a stand for you in that place, in that neighborhood. I'm going to make a stand for you wherever it is that I go. Amen? Daniel made his stand in the lion's den. 
And the amazing thing about that, I, I don't know that he was on his knees, but I, he spent a lot of time on his knees anyway. And that's what got him in the lion's den in the first place. So Daniel, in that circumstance and situation where he was the minority, he was working for the for the, the wicked the wicked leader, he spent a lot of time on his knees praying that God's will would be done. And so I believe when he got to that lion's den, he went right back to the place he knew where he needed to go, back on his knees. And he made his stand on his knees. Somebody wrote a song about that or something like that. He made a stand on his knees, and God honored that. God will honor it when we make our stand for him. He will honor it. He will honor it. In Mark 3 and 3 and Luke 6 and 8, uh, the story is told about the man with the withered hand and how Jesus brought him into the temple in front of, if I can say it this way, God and everybody. And what did he tell that man when he was about to heal him? He said, come and stand forth. Stand up. It, there's this something about standing that God likes to just kind of hit on that in the Bible. And he, he didn't tell him, just sit down over there and I'll heal you. He said, no, stand forth in front of in front of the whole audience here and watch. And everybody's going to get to see what God's going to do. So there's something about this standing, about making a stand. we got to make a stand for our salvation. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Some stuff's going to come to pass in your life. Just, just take it to the bank. And to stand before the Son of Man. You know, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. We're all going to stand at that great white throne. We're all going to stand before our Maker, as they say. And so we've got to make our stand down here if we expect to stand up there. If you believe this, you need to make a stand for it. Amen? Like I said before, people that believe other stuff will make a stand. They will go out and protest march, and they will do all kinds of things to make a stand for something they believe in that's not even real. So why shouldn't we make the stand for what we believe and what we have and what the Lord look just look at your life sometimes look at where the Lord look what the Lord has done you know he he delivered us he saved us when i think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me i need to make a stand for this because like like was said this morning somebody out there's depending on you being faithful they're watching you and they're waiting to see if the trials and the tests and the things that come in your life are going to cause you to, to get weak knees and, and just give up. But when they see you making a stand no matter what, no matter if sickness enters your body, no matter what's happening in your life, when this world sees us making a stand, they look at that and say, there's something different. There's something different. It'll, it'll cause another minister of another church to say, you know, I don't know what it is. There's something different about you. I think I'm going to start sending people to your church. Right? I'll never forget Brother, not Brother Mooney. I can't remember who it was now, but there was a Baptist church in Louisville that found out some, somehow or another they got one of our preacher's names and they invited him to come. And he came and preached. 
And he and I'll never forget Brother Eads telling me he, he told them ahead of time now, this is what I'm gonna preach, just so you know. And they said, That's okay. He said, Okay. <laughs> and he let them have it. But it was like God opened that door. God opened that door. God put that in their heart to call that man and ask him to come preach it. Just some obscure place. If I mentioned the name of the town, you wouldn't even know where it is. But God did that. And so that man had that opportunity and he wasn't going to just back down and, and take it easy on them because they were Baptists. He was going to give them the truth. Because if he didn't, I mean, they, really, in all honesty, I believe they were expecting that. Why did they invite him? They knew who they were inviting. It wasn't like nobody knew who he was. And so we've, we've got to make this stand. First uh, Thessalonians 3.1. I'm going to go through verse 8. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, a brother and minister of God, and a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. The tempter's going to come and tempt us. Not getting out of that either. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity that you have good remembrance of, of us always desiring greatly to see you as we also to as we as we also to see you therefore brethren we were comforted over you in all in all our affliction and distress by your faith for now we live if ye stand fast in the lord paul was so thankful that those people were standing fast in the Lord. He couldn't be there. But it was such an encouraging word to hear that they were standing fast in the Lord. And he might have been hearing all kinds of rumors. You don't know. He don't know. You know how stuff didn't just, they didn't have CNN, so you couldn't just hear about it. But he was so encouraged to get that letter and that note or that report that, hey, they're standing fast in the faith. Somebody out there is depending on us to stand fast in the faith today. And I already kind of alluded to it. We won't read this, but in Revelation 20 and 12, it says that we're all going to stand. We're all going to, we're all going to stand. Every one of us. Uh, what was the, what was the guy's name that came here and preached that on that Wednesday night? Yes, Brother Mahoney talking about we got a, we got a destiny. We, we have, we have a meeting planned and you, you can't get out of it. You're going to be there whether you like it or not. You're going to be there. You're going to stand before him. He's going to open the books and he's going to say, what about this? He's going to turn to the books and say, you had it. Why, why didn't you obey it? What about this? And you're not going to be able to turn around and say, but mom, but dad, but but my what? No, there's not going to be anybody there but you. And you're going to have to answer. I'm going to have to answer for my deeds. For every idle word the Bible talks about, for all of our deeds, all the things that we do and say, or that we don't do and don't say. 
Did we make a stand or did we not? Did we waffle? Did we kind of, uh, whatever. We got to take a, a stand and make a stand for this truth and this salvation on this earth because really that's why we were called. That's what we were commissioned to do. So that we can be before him where he resides. He's called us to be ambassadors. He has called us to be ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is somebody who represents another foreign country, our country or another country. They come to our country. We go to their country. And they stand for the precepts and the interests of that of that nation. In our case, they stand for the precepts and the, the interests and the, and the Constitution and all the things that we stand for as a nation. They go over there and represent our president and us as people. And, and sometimes they have to make a stand in a foreign country where it's maybe not friendly toward us. And they have to be the type of person that's able to stand and say, no, we're not moving. We're not budging. I represent the president. This is what we're doing. And we're not moving. And so we, we are ambassadors for Christ on this earth. And so he has given us a commission. Just like those ambassadors in the natural have a commission, we have a commission to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of men. We have that commission today. In, the, in Ezekiel 22, it talks about uh, the idea of, of uh, let's just go there, Ezekiel 22, verse 26 through 30. Twenty-two, verse twenty-six. And her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. This is the prophet trying to get a hold of Jerusalem, trying to get a hold of Israel and wake them up. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. They have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and have profaned among them. And I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening their prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to go to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them. And I was studying this, and this is not talking about, because you had the prophets there already that were interceding and, and trying to get Israel to wake up. So this isn't talking about them. God's saying, I, I sought for a man, somebody else, that at least understood where the, the dire situation that they were in, because they were about to be judged. And, and God's saying, I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge. And that's... That's kind of a picture of of leading people to repentance and 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 to stand in the gap before me for the land and that's talking about um, it's kind of an image of interceding between the people and God somebody to stand in the gap somebody to make up the head somebody to to go build that wall back up at the end of the at the vineyard where that wall's falling down and all kinds of creatures and critters can and thieves can come in we we, God is trying to say even through this scripture today to us that he needs us. Not only do we need to make a stand for truth in our own life, not only do we need to make a stand for truth throughout this world, but we need to make a stand for those that can't make a stand for themselves. 
Because to be honest with you, none of us were there. None of us were in the mindset of making a stand for ourselves when we came to truth. I'm persuaded. I don't know that this is true, but I just, just from everything I read in the New Testament about Paul, you know, Paul was persecuting these people. He was doing a pretty good job of it too. And, and this was the brand new church. And so what did they know how to do? What was the, the one thing they knew how to do better than anything else? Pray. Because how did they come about? Through prayer. And, and when we read Acts 20, Acts 2, verse 41 to 47, how did they progress the church? Prayer. Fellowship. Breaking bread together. But prayer. And it wasn't just praying little, now I lay me down to sleep prayers. They were praying. They were interceding and trail. And that's what they did for 10 days or, or so, whatever it was in that upper room. And so I believe that Paul was one to the Lord by prayer. Because those people were praying, either God either kill him, I don't know if they were praying this, but it said they were praying, do something to him, get rid of him, make him stop. Because they were sick and tired of being persecuted. And they didn't know that the Lord was just trying to get them to leave their houses and go out and spread out and take this thing somewhere else. But I believe, this is just me, I believe that in the midst of their prayer, God said, okay, I'll fix him. I won't just get rid of him, but I'll send him, I'll, I'll save him and then I'll bring him back. And when they, when he told Ananias, I want you to go see Saul, he said, who me? Can't you send somebody else? He's trying to kill us. Don't you know that God? Like God didn't know that. And so God said, no, I need you to go take care of this for me because he's going to be a a chosen vessel for me. And he was. So tell me that prayer doesn't work. Even if it's not, they weren't really praying for Paul's salvation, but that's what ended up happening. So somebody outside that door needs our prayers today. They need us to stand, not just stand for truth. They need us to get down on our face and on our knees and stand in the gap for them. Somebody stood in the gap for me on their knees. Somebody wept and prayed for me. Somebody said, God, save him. Because I couldn't have a desire without somebody, without God giving me that desire. Second Timothy 2.24. Second Timothy 2.24. It says, and the servant of the Lord, everybody say that's me. That wasn't everybody. And the servant of the Lord, everybody say, that's me. That's better. Must strive, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Next verse. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. That was me one time. If God peradventure, if God just maybe will give them repentance. Wait a minute. To the acknowledging the truth. God can... Only We can only have repentance if God gives it to us. That's what that says. So the only way I came to repentance, the only way you came to repentance, is that God gave it to us. That's pretty crazy, man. You can't just decide to repent on your own. God's got to give that to you. Next verse. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who has taken them captive 
who are taken captive by him at his will. You mean God lets the devil take people captive at his will? It does say in the Bible, in the New Testament, that he is the God of this world, right? The devil. And he's here for a season, right? And so the Lord's just letting him have his way for a season. So the Lord lets him take people captive. Anybody ever been captive? I was captive by the, I was, I was a prisoner of war. Weren't you? Because that's what you are, really, if you're captive by the devil. You're a prisoner of war. Because this is a war. It's warfare. Amen. Why do you think in Ephesians we read about all this armor and all this stuff that we need to go to battle with? It's a war. Amen. And so you got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Those soldiers back in the Roman days, they wore big old spikes on the bottom of their boots, just like like golf shoes, to help them keep to stand still so that they couldn't get pushed over and moved around. And then they could also stomp their enemies with them. You know, I'm going to the enemy's camp to take back what he took from me. He's under my feet. Anybody know that song? He's under my feet. we got to put him under our feet in prayer. So there's somebody outside that door today that needs us to take a stand. And if we won't, who will? Right? We can't have repentance and neither can they. Except somebody prays that God will have mercy and that God will give them a desire. You know, I don't, I can't desire to serve the Lord on my own. He's got to give that to me. It's in Him that I live and move and have my being. I can't do anything without Him. And neither can they. So God sent us here to pray. He even told he had Paul tell King Agrippa and some other people if we could go to Acts 26 and 12 real quick. I'm just about done. Acts 26 and 12. Paul's talking to King Agrippa and Festus and all these people. And uh, he's giving his testimony again. So, and the importance of a testimony. Your testimony is important no matter how... How weird or how weak you think it is. It's a powerful testimony. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, and at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's hard for me to to push against the thing that's trying to... God was trying to get a hold of him. And he's like, quit pushing back. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand on thy feet. This is important right here. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and those things which I have, that uh, which I will... Will appear unto thee. I'm, you've seen some stuff, but I'm, there's going to be some more stuff I'm going to show you. But rise and stand upon thy feet. I appear unto thee. I'll just read it again. For this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Is that could that be anybody in this room? Can anybody in this room be a witness for, for the Lord? Yeah. Can anybody in this room be a, a minister? Yeah. Right. Next verse. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I will now send thee. See, he took him away from them. 
to turn him around right back around and send him right back to him. Right? Next verse. To open their eyes. This is important right here. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, the power of Satan unto the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so, how, how, how does he propose that Paul's going to do this? How is he going to, to open their eyes from, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God? Just walk up to him and say, open your eyes. Just, just walk up to him and command them to repent, right? Right? That's not the way it's going to happen. How did Paul come to, to know the truth? We believe, I believe, prayer. How was the, the church born? Prayer, intercession, and travail. How was how was the church furthered? How was how did it go from three thousand to five thousand? How did the how did they multiply? Prayer and other things. They they had break break bread and they talked about. They didn't have a Bible. They had the scriptures, but they had letters from Paul and they they had scriptures. That's all they had in word of mouth and testimonies and their witness and and. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. They had signs. They had wonders. They had miracles. Things were happening just from normal church people. So they had that witness. And so how did they reach their cities? How did they, how did they turn the world upside down with this gospel? I believe it was through prayer. It was through them making a stand on their knees. And so that's what we have to do today. We have to make a stand. Luke 22, 41 through 44 says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou will be willing, remove this cup from me. What cup? The crucifixion. Who did he have in his mind right then and there when he was praying that prayer? Everybody say me. He had me and you. He had everybody in the city of La Crosse. He had everybody in that... In that Asian country, he had everybody, every, anywhere you can think of, he had every soul, because every soul, the Bible says, belongs to him. So he had every soul in mind when he was praying this prayer. He said, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, what a powerful statement he made here. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's an easy prayer to pray. That's a whole hard, lot harder prayer to live. Not my will, Lord. Your will be done. He gave us the example. That was the ultimate statement right there. That was his stand for us. He stood for us on his knees. And it goes on to say there, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony. And that word agony is talking about a battle. If you break it down in the Greek, it's talking about a war. It's talking about a, a struggle and, and a, like a conflict, like a wrestling match. And being in, in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He sweat great drops of blood for us. We have mission, we have a, a missionary's wife that actually did this for our country in Asia. She prayed so intently and, and just, just grieved herself so much for the souls of that city that they had to bring her back to this country, to a doctor, because she literally was sweating great drops of blood. That's how deeply 
in her spirit, she was weeping and travailing and interceding for these people. I'm not saying we should do that, but we need to, this city needs us to do that. They need us to stand for them on our knees. And that's what the point of my message is today, is that we need to make that stand for our city. We need to make that stand for our family members. We need to make that stand in our school, in our workplace. We need to make that stand. It's it's not going to be the, the face-to-face witness necessarily that's going to get the job done. It's going to be what you do behind closed doors, interceding and travailing for God to open those doors for those people so that they are hungry, so that they are thirsty. So that they desired, so that they come to you and say, I don't know why I'm asking you this, but can we do a Bible study? And you're just sitting there going, yeah, I know why you're asking. Because I've been praying. Right? Because that's how we're gonna, that's how, that's how we're gonna do it. That's how the Bible talks about when we're planting and, and all those things in the field that, that they weeped over the, the seed and, and that weeping is talking about preparing the ground. You can do a lot more in the life of an individual through prayer and preparing that ground to receive truth than you can ever do by trying to talk them to death. Because if they're blind in their mind, they're not going to hear a word you're saying anyway. They're going to be going, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh. But you go to prayer, stand for them in prayer, because they, they don't even know that they need prayer. They don't even know they need to pray. They don't even know that they're lost. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand in this place. Amen. I just want to, I just came today. The Lord sent me here today to just to tell you that, you know, you know, I want to make it to heaven. Who doesn't want to make it to heaven? We all want to make it to heaven. And that's our goal. But that's not our job. Our job is to take as many people with us. I want somebody else to have this besides me. Amen. But I can't talk to everybody. But you can. You, you've got people in your pathway every day. That's your prayer list. That, the ones I work with now in Toma, that's my prayer list. That's my field. I call every one of their names out every day on my way to work. And I don't, I don't tell them about it. I'm just waiting on God to just open the doors. He sent me there. I'm going to do what I got to do. Tell me to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him. Now I'm going to wait for God. So we need, Sister Parker, if you could go ahead and play that. We need to just consider, think about, uh, just take a moment this morning and, and think about where you are in your walk, where you are in your, your, you know, we've been called and commissioned. Where are you in your commission? Where are you in this, 